Hey, .NET Rocks listeners. So you never went to NDC. I get that. It's Norway. It's Oslo. But did you know that the videos for all the sessions are online? Yeah, go to vimeo.com slash ndcoslo. You'll see some amazing sessions, and they're all right there. And if you're really curious, you can check out the lineup for NDC 2014, which is happening June 2nd through 6th. ndcoslo.com is the website, but again, if you want to check out the videos, vimeo.com, that's V-I-M-E-O dot com slash ndcoslo. Richard and I will be there this year. Maybe we'll see you too. .NET Rocks episode 988 with guest Amir Rajan. Recorded Tuesday, May 13th, 2014. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl and Richard here. Richard's a tech head. I'm in the comfort of my studio. Nice. I have a cold, if you haven't noticed. Oh, awesome. Lucky you, dude. Oh, yeah. This is what happens when you have kids that, you know, go to school and pass around lots of nasty things. Collect germs to bring home. Yeah. What'd you bring home from school today, honey? (laughs) Nice. Nice little cough for you, Dad. There you go. Well, I had breakfast with a bunch of uh, some of our favorite IT people, folks like John Craddock and Andy Malone and Paula Janowalski. Awesome. That's the fun part about being a tech head, just to hang it out with some really cool folks. And I got a bunch of run ases being recorded, too. So, collecting some good shows. It's a fun life. Hey, I have a, a Better Know framework that came in from a fan. So, uh, awesome. Roll that funky music away, the boys. That crazy music. All right, buddy, what do you got? What I have is mustache. Mustache? Mustache.github. Io, logicless templates available in Ruby, JavaScript, Python, Erlang, Node.js, PHP, Perl, Objective C, Java, .NET, Android, C++, Go, Lua, OOC, ActionScript, ColdFusion, Scala, Closure, Phantom, CoffeeScript, D, Haskell, XQuery, ASP, IO, Dart, Hacks, and for Delphi. Sorry, I'm not over the ColdFusion on that list. Mm-hmm. That's just me. So let's what is this? Let's go to the manual, shall we? Are okay. you looking at it? I am. All right. Let's look at the manual. Mustache 5. Okay. So, logicless template. So, basically, here's a mustache template. Hello, curly brace, curly brace, name, and curly brace, and curly brace. You have just one, and then those curly braces value dollars. Right? And then there's another set of curly braces with what looks like a variable with a pound sign in underscore CA. Right. Right. And then given the following hash, which is essentially a JSON object, will produce the following. Hello, Chris, you have just won $10,000. Well, blah, blah, blah. So basically, it's a template where you define some text and you have placeholders. And the data for those placeholders come from basic JSON objects. Huh. This looks a little razory, actually, doesn't it? Yeah. Mustache can be used for HTML, config files, source code, anything. It works by expanding tags in a template using values provided in a hash or object. Oh, so don't just think web here. Think I just need to be able to resolve this whenever I feel like it. That's really interesting. Yeah. So that's why the big list of technologies in the beginning. Right, because it'll work with pretty much anything. Works with anything. Write your expressions the way you want to for the next compiler in the line. Yeah, it's templates. It just works with anything. Just a templating approach. That's cool. Mustache. I I can see getting myself into trouble with this. Yeah, of course. And, (laughs) and, you know, it's something that we've all written for whatever language we've been working in. You are not wrong, sir. Yeah, so it's just nice to have something that works everywhere. Yeah. I like it. Mustache. Cool. Mustache.github.io. Yep. The wonders of GitHub. Yep. All kinds of cool things. Well, there you go, Richard. Love it. That's what I'm talking about today. What are you talking about? Who's talking to us? I grabbed a comment off of show 821. So going back a little bit, because this is uh, one of the first shows we did with John Papa talking about single page applications. If you recall, that's like in 2012, which is not, okay, 18 months ago or so. Yeah. 
this comment comes from Sean Karnowski. I've been holding on this for a while because I thought it was very thoughtful. Uh, what Sean says is, I wanted to make a quick comment on the point in the show where the, quote, noise of Visual Studio was discussed. While I agree that the general development profile is still pretty noisy with the various toolbars and icons, I would argue that the web developer code only profile gets very close to editor Nirvana. Now, let's just talk about those two sentences. Because <laughs> in the show, we were talking about the fact that you know, the downside to Visual Studio, as much as we love Visual Studio, is that it is this sort of Swiss army knife. Right. There's so many icons. There's so many buttons. There's so many windows attached all over the place. Like, it's very noisy. You're just trying to flow with code. It's not easy to do. It's like uh, flying a 747. Yeah. You know, there's lots of blinky lights everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And most of those lights you don't need to look at all of the time. Just a few of them. But, it, you know, it's, there's no good way to sort of throttle that back. And what Sean's mentioning here is that web developer code only profile is a configuration that turns a lot. A lot of toolbars go away. A lot of those side windows go away. It's just to get me to the code. So Sean goes on to say, I have been using web developer code only since Visual Studio 2010. And I have to say that the editor definitely takes center stage since only the file menu and solution explorer are exposed. A nice side effect of this profile is that it forces you to become better at using the keyboard shortcuts in Visual Studio. Mm -hmm. And again, think about this for a minute. How much of that cruft around the edges of visual studio is just a security blanket because you can't remember the shortcut for you know the given the compile you need to do or the lookup you need to do or anything like that yeah so by just turning all those things off and getting rid of that noise you you clear your mind enough to actually use the shortcuts yeah i mean that's that's a good point i suppose well because other folks are going off and they're jumping into other editors Right, they're all hopping over to Sublime. Sublime doesn't have any choices. You're going to do it that way. You're going to learn the shortcuts, and you're just going to have the code window. Right. You right. know, Sean's point is, Studio does this too. You just have to do it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Sean goes on to say, uh, if you haven't already, you should give it a try and see if you think this profile is successful at bringing the editor portion of Visual Studio back to the forefront. Cool. And I wanted to say that I love the show and have been a loyal listener since 2008. Keep up the great work. You guys are awesome at keeping your listeners up to date with the latest technologies, design patterns, and methodologies. And I would like to say thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. And that's from Sean Karnowski. Sean, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, and one of those really thoughtful comments I appreciate that it's like, yeah, we've been hopping off to other editors and things like that when all we really need to do is sit down and configure Studio properly. Hmm. Great thinking. Yep. So... .NET Rocks mug is off to you, sir. If you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or in any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. Who'd love to build you an app? Just go to DiatomEnterprises.com. And with that, let's bring back to the show Amir Rajan. Amir, by his own bio writing, is a pretty decent dev and is consistently trying to improve in his craft. He's a jack-of-all-trades, being comfortable with a number of platforms and languages, C-sharp, F-sharp, Ruby, Objective-C, and JavaScript, to name a few. He strives to better the community through open-source contributions, mentoring, and blogging. As far as his rap sheet is concerned, he is a seasoned presenter and an ASP.NET insider. He's the co-author of NSpec, a humble contributor to Canopy F-sharp, and the creator of Oak MVC, which we talked about earlier. When he's not playing Dark Souls or contributing to open source, he does remote consulting via AirPair on various topics such as iOS, full-stack web development, .NET, and Node.js. Welcome back, Amir. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great. How are you, sir? Good. Good. Lost a little bit of sleep, but outside of that, I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I know the feeling. Yeah. Sleep deprivation. I call that... Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes. And it's early. It's early in the morning. VSRE. What's that? Very short reply expected. So you have this, uh, I, I welcome VSRE emails at the bottom of your email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I looked it up at VSRE.info. A way for you to indicate to the recipients of your email that they have to reply with a short, usually one to five words reply. Yes, no. Tuesday. Plus one. 
And and it cuts through all the all the pleasantries of email too. You know, it's not a letter. Uh, it, it helps me communicate with someone quickly without them being offended either. Yeah. And uh, Scott Hansman, I think, uh, wrote a blog post on VSRE, and that's when I started adopting it myself. I find that um, when I send an email to the guys that I'm working with, you know, for maybe a change in an advertiser or something like that, you know, like a memo, all I really want is just for them to say, hey, I got this, I understand it, and I'm working on it, you know? Yeah. Acknowledged. Acknowledged. Please acknowledge you got this, because I don't want to hear, oh, I didn't get that email a month from now when nothing happens. Is that really what this is all about? Oh, yeah. And um, if someone actually puts that in the subject line, VSRE, and then uh, put some information about some question that they may have have about me, uh, I'm more inclined to open it and reply immediately because okay. I know that the reply is going to be very quick. I like that. Yeah. So prioritize your VSRE emails because, you know, you know, it's a very getting things done. I can get this done in a minute. Yep. Okay. Let's talk app stores. What have you been up to, Amir? Yeah. You've been causing trouble. I've been I've been causing trouble. <laughs> and I'm looking at the title of this show, Getting to the Top of the App Store, and I'm thinking, you know, about all the emails that I get that are like, you know, get to the top of the Google search engine. And I'm thinking, all right, there's a million websites out there, and everybody's going to get to the top of the Google search, right? I mean, how does one, how does everybody get to the top of the App Store? And what does that mean, actually? I have no idea how anyone gets to the top of the app store. <laughs> let me just let me just start off with that. Uh, so I did develop an app and it went viral in the United Kingdom and then it went viral in the US and it took the number one spot for 18 days straight. And I have no idea how it happened. <laughs> I oh. have speculations. <laughs> oh, I okay. can speculate, and I will be happy to discuss all the speculations and all the dots that I've tried to connect. Wow! Yeah, I feel I feel like um, the guy from Beautiful Mind. You know, he's got he's got all these papers and news article clippings on his wall, trying to connect connect everything with red string, and nothing makes sense. But it still happened, and uh, hmm. it's very weird. It's a very weird feeling to have. Okay. So a little bit of history. Uh, I uh, took on a learning sabbatical, so I just. Decided to quit my job back in March or May 2013. So it's been it's been a year now, I guess. And that was like a month after you did the show with us on Oak. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> uh, I think I'm I think I'm done with uh, with uh, nine to five for a little bit. So I saved up uh, a little bit of money, mm -hmm. and I decided you know I can I'm gonna just take a year off and just kind of uh, learn new technologies and just relax and uh, spend more time with the family, my wife, and. Um, and just just enjoy life from that standpoint. You know, being in the industry for seven or eight years, you 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 start burning out on things. And uh, this was a time for me to just heal, I guess. So um, three months in, um, I got uh, I saw something on Twitter about a game. Uh, it's a it was a minimal text based web game, and uh, I opened it up and I started playing it, and I immediately fell in love with uh, you know its presentation and how how elegant was with regards to its minimalism and still being able to tell a good story so i emailed the original developer his name was his name is uh, michael townsend and uh, i emailed him and i said hey uh i'm on a sabbatical i want to learn ios development it's something that's on my to-do list during this time period uh can i port this to ios and uh he said yes uh i went and ported it to ios i added my own pacing uh, i added a bit of storyline additional storyline to what he did with the web version. And then I also added the ability for the blind to actually play the game. So it's actually completely playable over via voiceover awesome. on iOS devices. That is so, great. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, really cool. And, um, I deployed it to the app store and, you know, I checked that mark on my, on my to-do list is that, okay, deployed to the app store, done. And it sat, uh, I started promoting it a little bit. Uh, I'll go to, I'd go to Reddit. I'd go to Twitter. Uh, start talking about the game, uh, some of the uh, development of the game. I'm really transparent on as far as what's happened with regards to the game, uh, everything from development to you know revenue that I've generated. And uh, six months after the game was released, so it, it released in November, so five months, it released in November, and then at the end of March, it suddenly spiked in the UK. It went from the 1500th spot in the paid app store to number one in in like three days. 
What? Holy crap. What? Yes, I know. And it, it wasn't a gradual increase, right? So I, I can understand a gradual increase. I can connect the dots. But sure. Uh, yeah. So iTunes Connect has something where every morning you can just check to see the number of downloads. And right. uh, around uh, around the end of March, I was getting uh, 150, 200 downloads a day. So it's it's good mailbox money, right? I was getting the mailbox money. It was paying rent. Mm. And I was doing my online consulting. So I was like, hey, I'm breaking even every every month. And it's uh, eight, eight, nine months into my sabbatical. This is great. And then suddenly the next day I wake up, it's up to 800, 800 downloads. And, huh. and that's the largest I've ever had. I was like, okay, something's going on. So uh, up until that point, I use uh, App Annie to do all my all my metrics and see what's going on. So I usually I just concentrate on the U.S. App Store trying to see what happened. And it turned out that all the downloads came from uh, the U.K. App Store. Hmm. So it shot up from, from being like number 20 in the RPG section uh, up to number five in games overall. And then a day later, it becomes number one. And I'm just in shock at that point. I have no idea what happened. And then a week passes. And then it shoots up to, uh, it shoots up to the number 10 spot in the U.S. App Store. And then another seven days passes, and it's number one. And it stays there for 18 days. In the U.S.? In the U.S. Wow. Okay. So did you ever figure out what it was about the app that people were going crazy about? So I think a couple of unique things. So this, this is all speculation at this point. I have, I've tried connecting many dots. None of them connect. And being a developer, it's so frustrating that right. none, of the, none of the answers are there. Um, so a couple of speculations I have. Uh, this is one of the few apps that doesn't have any in-app purchases or, or ads. Right. So you just, pay, you just pay the dollar and you get the full experience, uh, all aspects of it. That's it. And that's the asking price. Wow. For a buck. One buck. Give a buck and give it a shot. It's only a dollar. You can probably find it in your sofa. Just right. pay the dollar and and play and enjoy the game. There's nothing else that you have to you have to pay for. So that was unique for the application. The other the other unique thing is that it doesn't have any graphics. It's it's made completely of buttons, progress bars, and labels. The entire game is is that. Hmm. And uh, uh, I think that set it apart from all the other apps in the App Store. You have you have games that are pushing like 3D graphics, right? Mm -hmm. Amazing, amazing 3D graphics. Uh, you've got AAA titles in the App Store, and then this oddball of a game is out there uh, that is goes against the grain of everything that we'd expect in an App Store. Hmm. So uh, I think I, I think that helped helped with people, you know, just hey, this is something fresh, this is something unique. Let's give it a shot. And when they actually tried it out, they found a really good game and they enjoyed it and told their friends and then their friends told their friends. And I'm assuming that's what uh, caused the viral outbreak. And, and is there any viral element to the game? Do you play with your friend is it, or they can you compare scores or anything like that? Nothing, nothing. So there's no Internet connectivity. There's no tweet about your game. Uh, there's no social media element uh, inside of the game itself. It's it literally is just the game and when you complete it i uh so i was really good so this is this is one definite piece of success that that uh every app developer should do and that's uh have a really good review button so you have to you have to solicit reviews within your game and you right. have to do it at the right time uh if you do it too early and nag about it they're not going to review it if you you know do it too late they probably have stopped using your app by then and they're not going to review it Right. So, uh, so for the first few months, I didn't have a review button in my game or in our game. And, um, uh, the review rates were pretty decent. Uh, you know, we would get five or six a day. And the moment I put a review button in and it was, uh, you get the review button right after you beat the game. So right after the game is completely blowing your mind, a little review button pops up and it says, thank you. Uh, please review the app. And just by doing that, our reviews uh, increased significantly, significantly. So um, I think having a good review button is is really important. Uh, and I think that's what helped the credibility for the game. So we had the review button in there, and then suddenly we were getting five-star reviews. Uh, I think the app currently, the current version of the app has a 4.8-star review or average review, which is really good, especially with uh, how high the app is right now. So how much time between you adding that new review capability and the UK explosion happening? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think it was, it was still probably about two months. 
two, three months. So the, there must be a critical mass part of this too, that then people start, A, they have to finish the game, which takes a certain amount of time. Right. And then they hit that review button. You need a certain number of reviews before it starts moving up the charts. Yep. So, and that's another thing that I found out with regards to ranking. It is the number of reviews impacts your rating, your ranking in the app store. By far, the number of downloads has the most impact. Right. But having, having that high engagement with regards to reviews, uh, I, I don't know what ratio they use. I'm speculating at this point, but I think they use some sort of ratio that says, okay, how many people reviewed the game versus how many people downloaded it? Right. So if you've got a high review to download ratio, that's going to give you an, a ranking advantage. Yes. And I, and I do believe that, that it did contribute to that. So another thing, uh, that, I, that I think helped with the UK, um, the UK outbreak was back in November. So we're, we're going back. It happened at the end of March, and then at right. the beginning of uh, around November, December timeframe, uh, the game actually received a lot of media coverage in the UK. Uh, there were three. There were three online publications: uh, two from Giant Bomb and one from Pace Magazine. Uh, they're they're both uh, all three of them. All three of the publications were uh, around around gaming communities. So those happened. It, it basically landed. In, in three game of the year, 20, 2013 game of the years, which was great. So there, it, it was primarily the web version that got the media coverage, but the iOS version was also mentioned in those articles. Okay. So not just that you got your game reviewed, but it got high praise. It was a game of the year. Yes, it was, it was in the mm. game of the year uh, list. I think it made, uh, yeah, three game of the year lists, and it got some great media coverage. Uh, that night I didn't sleep. So I was like, okay, we just, we just got media coverage, uh, on three huge websites, massive, massive websites. They have at least 500,000 viewers on those websites. I'm, uh, we've made it. This is, this is going to happen. And I, uh, I wake up the next day and we got a whopping 80 downloads of the game. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. It sounds like music reviews too. Yeah. yeah. Same, same thing. Yeah, so so that was extremely uh, extremely interesting too. Is that media impact, at least in the U.S. market, was was is non-existent. It's so weird, right? I, I just wonder if it's more latent. Yeah, okay, the review dropped that day, but it doesn't necessarily mean they read it that day. Well, you know what? I think reviews have gone by the wayside, and and social media has taken its place. I mean, uh, who's to say? I mean, how much weight do you give to somebody? on the web who's reviewed something versus your friend who who you know who says hey this is cool check this out i like this you'll like it too yes yes uh in fact uh in earlier points of me promoting the game uh, i'd actually go on to twitter and search for people that tweeted about the web version of the game kind of use that as a funnel hmm. to direct traffic to the ios version and um uh, i there were points where i would tweet to someone and it wouldn't be a tweet like, "Hey, I've got the iOS version." They would they would say, "Oh, this web version of the game is awesome," and I would I would tweet in the persona of the game or mention them in the persona of the game, saying things like, uh, "I'm gonna, uh, you know, I take a part of your soul every time you stoke the fire," or <laughs> you know, some random thing like that. And, and they love that engagement. Yeah. So they would retweet, and what I would do is like, "Okay, this person had fifteen thousand followers, and he just retweeted." So I would mark that and say, "Okay, how does that correlate back to the next day?" So I'd wake up the next morning and and see I would see a spike in downloads. It's a very small spike, and uh, it turned out uh, my rough estimate now is that for every ten thousand followers that you have, if you retweet, uh, if you tweet something about any kind of promotion, effectively, uh, you could expect. I, I saw a conversion of thirty downloads. Wow. So every ten thousand followers is worth thirty bucks to me. <laughs> wow. So do you think, and we've been talking to Atlee Hunter about this, about the, the power of simplicity in apps. Do you think the simplicity, uh, in, and we should talk a little bit more about the game. Yes. But the simplicity of the game lends itself to its power in, in, in people's, uh, in its popularity. Oh, I agree. I, I think, I think the, uh, the most important thing, and this was something that Michael, uh, of course, uh, originally created was it didn't come with the owner's manual. It didn't come with, oh, press this button to do this thing. And there mm -hmm. was no in-game tutorial. What it did was it only showed a small portion of the game. Mm -hmm. So you could only do one or two things when you, when you initially start off. Mm -hmm. And then once you've, once you got the hang of those two or three, two or three tasks, only then would it reveal the next thing. Mm -hmm. 
from the simplicity standpoint, it's a mix of simplicity and then introducing more complex tasks after they've ma- mastered uh, original tasks. Mm. And I think that's what uh, really helped with with uh, keeping the player engaged and showing them that they are achieving things and giving them that se- sense of achievement as opposed to just saying, oh, click this button next. Tell us a little more about the game itself. All right, so the game is uh, is a actually a minimalist text based RPG. So you can think of it as a as a Zork. It's a it's a mix between Zork, NetHack, uh, hmm. Dragon Kings of Dragon Pass, uh, Sellers Anno. For those who weren't around for Zork, <laughs> which was a text based adventure game, basically says you are here and it gives you a little setting and tells you what's there and then you can say pick up an item like pick up sword or look at sword. And it gives you a description, and then you have an inventory of things that you're carrying, and you can use it against. But it's all text based, right? Right. It's so completely text based. Yeah. And uh, so what I did on the on the the web version and the iOS version share this idea is that instead of having the player type something in, we gave just different buttons and progress bars to to simulate them doing things. So you hmm. start off in this text based RPG, and then it expands into a, a net hack type of game. Have, have you all played a uh, played so net hack? Tell us about that. Uh, so NetHack is a, a the best way I can explain it is it's a roguelike uh, roguelike dungeon crawler. And explain that. <laughs> <laughs> a random map gets generated, and uh, you end up traversing this map. It's an ASCII based map, and you end up traversing it. It's 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 so ridiculous n- now that I talk about it. Um, right. So you you see like an aerial view of of where you are, and yeah, you see you see an arrow of arrow, you're represented as an at sign. Okay, and there's <laughs> commas are grass, <laughs> periods are barren wastelands, and the letter T are forests. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and then you have uh, random landmarks that are that are represented as bolded characters. So you have this you have this text based RPG that evolves into this dungeon crawler, effectively. That has an ASCII-based map, um, and then it, then it evolves into another part of the game. I don't want to give away the spoilers, but there's another piece of the game that, uh, again, it's got this old retro look to it, and uh, that's cool. And that's, it blows my mind that it that uh, so many people um, have uh, have a good connection with that kind of experience. Very cool. It's re- I'm I'm effectively unemployable as an iOS developer because. Because uh, if I go into an interview and they ask me, all right, so you've built the number one app in the app store. Do you know how to use uh, REST APIs and AF motion or AF networking? And I go, nope. Do you know how to use core data? <laughs> uh, no, no, not really. Uh, do you know how to use UI view controllers and collection views? Uh, no, I'm, I know how to use labels, buttons, and progress bars. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> does, that, does that count? <laughs> that's so awesome, though. But, you know, you get back to what games really are. Oh yes, you know, yeah. I'm, I, yeah. And I'm we, quietly playing a dark room here while we're chatting too, right? I'm gathering wood like crazy, but <laughs> it, it is a story, you, the, the, and the, and you get to manufacture it in your head because it doesn't have a lot of uh, details and, and visualizations. Well, and I think that's what we loved about those text adventure games too was that it was it was it was really you had to use your imagination, and you 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 it's like reading. Interactive fiction is what they called it, right? Yes, yes. Uh, it definitely falls into that category. Yeah, you you make up the scene in your mind, and you're really playing in your head. Yep, yeah. that's that's exactly it. And then, so uh, my additions, uh, prim- the web version of the game was actually an idle based game. So you can actually, if you just search for a dark room, uh, it'll be the first link on there. So if you don't have an iOS device, or if you want to play for free and try it out, you can do the web version. But um, it it was meant to be an idle game, and that's a specific genre that's that's coming out. Uh, if any of you all have played uh, Cookie Clicker or Candy Box, those are also idle games that exist out there. And the idea behind idle games is just in your idle time you can play a little? Yep, you just have it open in your browser, and you click a couple of things, and then you know go back to work, and then you can come back and click more things and go back. Right, so it's not going <laughs> to demand your attention for a certain amount of time. There's no timer involved. There's no racing. Yeah, yeah, it's a very nice casual way to play. So mm. when I brought it over to mobile, I knew that that approach wouldn't work as well. So I actually sped up the game significantly, and then added a storyline on top of uh, what was already there to keep to keep you engaged. And a lot of people really connected with that storyline, primarily because uh, it's really vague and it's all text-based, so you have to fill in the blanks yourself. And I think that really helped. Uh, that really helped 
the game rise up to. So the review button and then engagement inside of your application, I think, are uh, very important. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is. What time is it? It's time to turn this idle chit-chat into a role-playing, first-person, prize-drawing, app-store-dominating, ASCII-mapped landscape of awesomeness. What? (laughs) (laughs) So there. So there. Time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to one lucky member picked at random of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who the winner is, let's talk about the Telerik platform. Create compelling app experiences across any screen with the Telerik platform. Telerik's end-to-end platform uniquely combines industry-leading UI tools with awesome cloud services to simplify the entire app development lifecycle. Telerik offers everything .NET developers need to build quality apps faster. Try it for free at Telerik.com slash platform. Who's our winner today, Kyle? Today's winner is Josh Lewick from Orlando, Florida. Congratulations, Josh. Golf clap for you, sir. Golf clap for Josh. And uh, Josh just won the Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. If you don't know what we're talking about here, what we're doing, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we give away stuff from our sponsors, such as Telerik, and Every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member. But you got to sign up to win. And Amir, we like to ask our guests, if you had $5,000 right now to spend on technology, sir, what would you buy? All right. So I I put a lot of thought into this. (laughs) Knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. I like a man who's prepared. I put it in the notes for people who read the notes. That's right. Yep. Yep. Last time I said, oh, I'll just get a Mac. So this time I was like, all right, if I could get whatever I want, what would it be? So I decided to do um, Internet of Things, right? The worst. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, God, really? No. So uh, Adreno, I'd, I'd get an Adreno Raspberry Pi. Have you heard of a Parallela? No. What's a Parallela? So Parallela is uh, actually it's a, a multi, massively multi-core integrated thing. So it's the size of a, it's the size of an Arduino. But it's got like 32 cores. What? So yeah, it's but they're really low power, uh, low power processors, and uh, it's it's primarily there for you to try out just a lot of any any kind of you know multi multi parallel programming. Ninety nine bucks. Wow. Yep. Parallela.org. So Parallela is another thing that I would add to my Wait list. Wait a minute. Get- Hundred thousand plus core. What See? does that mean? <laughs> That's a lot of cores. No, 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 no. That that it's like that can't be possible. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. That's no. sixty-four core. Yeah, sixty-four cores. There you go. But they're talking about how many cores they've shipped total. I think. Yep. Got it. Yep. So one board with sixty-four cores. So you you start getting into the getting into the area of like how can I build? What kind of programs can I build that can leverage sixty-four cores? Wow. Right? How how does your programming approach change with when you have that when you have that kind of layout? But you said it's low power, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a small it's a small board, just like an Arduino or a right. Raspberry Pi. Mm. So that was interesting. And then uh, Oculus Rift again. This, well, well this hang on, idea. can I get back to Parallel for a second? Of course. Do you program it with C sharp, or is do you uh, have to use something else? Yeah, uh, C. Okay. So it's it's bare, you know, hairy knuckle against the metal kind of thing. So you really couldn't <laughs> apply your skills. some hairy knuckles you need the hairy knuckles for this yes (laughs) okay oculus rift go ahead yeah oculus rift right uh leap motion Mm -hmm. and then uh and then another another random this is the most expensive one um it's it's by double robotics Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a segue mount for for an ipad ah because you really want to be uh using your ipad while you're on the segue well, so the, no, it's actually a Segway mount. Uh, it's a it's a Segway that's built for iPads. So you put your iPad on there, and it, it and they come with an app that you can actually control the Segway and the iPad with uh-huh. another with another iPad. So you could it, so I could have one of these at a remote location and log into this this contraption and walk around with my face on on the iPad on a Segway. Oh, okay. So like a remote extension thing. Yes. Mm. And it can just roll around. <laughs> okay. 
Does that make sense? This is funny. <laughs> it's a little strange, but okay. It's a little strange. It's a little strange. So it'd be fun. Yeah. It's all about remote presence, right? That this is yep. uh, Hanselman seriously into this because he's always trying to be present at Microsoft while living in Portland. Right. Yep. Yep. So I, I figured that I could create some kind of sentient being with with all these things put together on top of a segment. So. <laughs> <love> <laughs> Enough, a bunch of little parallel computers and a remote presence device. I do like the idea of a remote presence device, though. I mean, something that you can drive up to your coworker and say, "Hey." What's happening? How's it going? How's it going? Yeah. What are you as doing? long as the door's open, it, it doesn't have... Well, that's where I can use the Arduino or something. Are you going like. to finish that pizza? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you have it. That's, uh, that's my list of uh, geek stuff. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's original. That's creative. All right. Now, what I'd like you to do is put, put on the emotive headset and drive that segue with your mind. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> you, you you take the Oculus Rift and use that in some way there with the leap motion to, to, drive, to drive the Segway. Yeah. So, the, you obviously, I mean, you say you don't know how this happened, but you obviously must have some tips for people who are trying to put apps in the store, in any store. Yep. Yeah, I do. Um, so let me, let me give you a shotgun of, of some of the observations that I've made. So this is primarily for, uh, so for premium apps, if you're going to do a premium app, I would go ahead and not charge 99 cents. Mm. Go ahead and charge a higher, a higher dollar amount when you first release. What does it mean premium app? A premium app, what I mean by that, it's not paid for. And it, uh, it's not a, I mean, it's not a free application or a freemium. Freemium being that you give it away for free and then try to make money off of in-app purchases. Right. So a four-pay app would be, you know, like a dark room or Tweetbot is another four-pay app. Those are all premium applications. So it's anything you pay for. Anything you, anything you pay for. So your introductory price, make it, don't make it, a, uh, don't make it 99 cents. Actually, make it a little bit higher and play with your prices to see how how elastic your your um, your I guess network is or your customer bases with regards to price. Because if you have a niche app, you'll find that you can increase the price and it won't decrease the number of downloads. With regards to games, that's not the case. When I re- uh, when I increased the price, it did it did drop the number of downloads. So it was almost linear. Hmm. So and the other benefit is that when you when you go with a higher price. Wait till you get a couple of reviews, enough reviews, and then drop the price. And what you'll find is that there's a ton of syndications out there that look for price drops in applications. So you get instant, you get instant promotion just by doing that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So the old discount thing continues to work. Yep. Set set a high price and discount it, and you'll get more traction. Yeah. So uh, I actually, uh, when we in- initially did the uh, did the release, it was in one. It was one ninety nine. We we got about thirty or four, you know, good reviews. It was in a, it was in a niche market, so it was fine. And then we dropped the price to a dollar, and suddenly we got a lot of app syndications uh, picking it up, saying that there's this great app that has an average five star review that just dropped its price by fifty percent. Pick it up, and just by doing that, we got we got a threefold increase in downloads for for a couple of days. So you'll see that you'll see that happening. You can you can replay that a couple of times. Then they start detecting that you're doing that. But at least you can get that initially. Well, and it seems like it's just trying to break out of the pack that you just yes. got a little bit more going on. Yep. Than everyone else. Uh, and there's always high quality reviews, but high quality reviews by itself is not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. Uh, at some point, you have to have that additional engagement. So the review button is another tip. Have that additional engagement. Uh, be really responsive. Make it ridiculously easy for people to reach out to you. So either via Twitter, or via email, with inside of the app, or anything like that. And then be really responsive with anyone that decides to engage with you. So I think that's really important. Also, um, another thing is that the number of downloads. So we actually made the app free for a couple of days here and there, just to just to help with the uh, you know insurgence of of, of new players. And right. uh, so when we had it for pay, we would get. 200, 300 downloads a day, let's say. I made it free for two days. And our downloads for those two days were 20,000 downloads. Wow. It's ridiculous. So the, yeah. the order of magnitude, num- and, and this is probably why so many people, so many app developers do freemium models. The, the number of downloads that you get for a free application are many, many, many times 
more than you would get for a premium app. And at this point, I, my app wasn't even ranked, right? So I made it free and then it got the, it hit the syndications. Suddenly it's a free app. It hits Reddit, all the other forums, and then a massive downloads happens within that time period. Well, that that's how Candy Crush crushed everybody, right? With the in-app purchases. Yeah. I mean, you, it's free. You get them hooked. It's crack. It's crack, right? It's crack. You get them hooked, and then they want to play the next level. So they then they figure, okay, it's worth a dollar to open up this level or whatever. Right. But I also like the idea that it's, this is not just about getting more users. This is about getting the word out. Yes. Yep. So, and, and that's another thing. I think Reddit and some of these uh, sub forums. So I wouldn't try to reach the masses. I would try to reach your group. However, however you get to that group. In my case, it was, you know, just a Reddit forums and, and Twitter, but however you reach your group, reach that group and focus in on them. And then they'll, they'll promote the app for you, which is right. really good. So I think, uh, I think those things are, are probably the, the most important things with regards to at least premium, premium applications and what kind of difference exists mm-hmm. between the two. Yeah. And, you know, even, even with it being number one in the app store, it's our darkroom is still not ranked in the top grossing apps. And that's, you know, that's, I imagine a very surprising to, to some of the listeners out there. So I make a, I make an app that uh, stays in the top spot for 18 days and, uh, I'm, I would have been better if I, objectively speaking, if I just looked at cash flow and the amount of income that I've brought in, right. I would have been better off just staying with the full time job and doing contract work. So huh. the income is a separate thing. Yes, the income is a separate thing. Isn't that crazy? That's really interesting. Yep. So that's those are those are the tips that I have. And uh, on my blog, if you actually go to my blog, I've de- I've actually kept a dev diary that's now like twelve months long. Going into detail with regards to every single marketing thing that I've done, what the downloads look like, what impact it had, uh, and all those variations. So definitely, definitely read up on that stuff. Interesting. Yeah, you're just being public about everything you're doing here. Yeah, and uh, uh, completely transparent, completely public. And I think that's also helped you know, with the engagement. Sure. Just to let folks see this is what we're doing. There's nothing more magical than this. Yep. And none of it makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> you still get surprised, right? There's no, there's lots of implied correlations, you know, it's hmm. not necessarily causation, but it is correlation. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious as to, you say you, you, di- you don't know a lot about all these core data and all these other technologies in iOS, but what technologies did you use for this So game? I used, I, I used a Ruby motion to develop the application and, uh, I wish there was a better answer than the one I'm going to give, but I just wanted to learn something new. What is Ruby Motion? Ruby Motion is uh, so you know how Xamarin lets you write C sharp code that lets you build iOS applications and yeah. you know Android and and a Windows Phone. Mm-hmm. So Ruby Motion is the same thing except you can build Ruby apps. So okay. uh, there's Ruby Motion for iOS development and then Rubato for for Android development. Mm-hmm. And uh, with those things combined, basically I can take the the core engine. Build that in Ruby, and then you know have their respective uh, UI layers for for Android and, and iOS. And currently, we are working on a, on an Android port. And then there's another person that's working on uh, on a Windows Phone implementation. But that one will be in. Uh, I think he's doing it in Unity. So cool. the so the weird thing is that you know uh, you can you can literally build these mobile apps in what uh, Lua Corona you know. Cor- Corona Studios does Lua. Yeah. You can do PhoneGab, JavaScript, and HTML. You have Xamarin, which gives you C-sharp, F-sharp. You have RubyMotion, which lets you do it in Ruby. There's now even a Haskell uh, cross-compiler. Hmm. So you can write iOS applications in Haskell now. So as far as, as far as, you know, which one, which framework do I choose? Which framework do I pick? I think you can be successful with any one of those frameworks and build apps that use only labels, text boxes, and buttons hmm. and get a great app out there. And uh, it just comes down to what your team is comfortable with and, um, you know, what kind of licensing model, what kind of, uh, you know, revenue model as far as charging, how, how much as each one of these specific environments charges as far as annual sc- subscriptions or licensing right. is concerned. Mm. So it, it just comes down to, you know, what you're familiar with and then what kind of what kind of expenses you can stomach. So it turned out the entire game is is uh, 13,000 lines of Ruby. So it's massive. It's a massive, massive game. Wow. Um, and um, and 
it was it was just a it was just the right again i just wanted something that was something new i wanted to learn something new during that process i it was funny how you how y'all were talking about um the uh, the editors uh, visual studio as an editor hmm. uh, that's one thing that drew me to ruby motion was that i could just use vim and sublime text and right. all my build all my simulation running tests all those aspects of the system were just command line so i could i could just use my simul uh, use use vim and sublime text and then when i wanted to run the application i could use i could use uh, just the command line and i first started in objective c but xcode does not hold a candle to visual studio it is right I went back like 20 years as far as development was concerned. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, uh, ju- using Xcode was not, was not a pleasant experience for me. So at that point <laughs> is, is, uh, is when I decided to, you know, just do Ruby motion, use Vim, something that I'm very comfortable with. And then, uh, a, of course, a really good language. Ruby itself is very compatible with Objective C, surprisingly. Oh, so, um, yeah, um, it, it turned out that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the code, a lot of the uh, questions on Stack Overflow um, are written in Objective C, of course. But it's very easy to translate Objective C to Ruby Motion, and I was I was very happy with uh, with that uh, translation. It was just a mental you you learn it once, and you're like, okay, where there's brackets, there's dots, and where there's parentheses, there's this other thing. And right. uh, as soon as you as soon as you figure out that mental translation, you can leverage all the other all the Stack Overflow questions because Ruby Motion does not change any of the core APIs. Amir, you were talking to us offline about uh, uh, something weird that happened during the the UK rollout. Oh yes, um, so it went viral, and then it hit the number one spot. And up until this point, I really didn't get any uh, negative reviews. So it was it was in its niche area, five star reviews. You know, all, all were all were rave and raving about the game, and you know, really loved what it had to offer. Sure. But when you hit the number when you hit the number one spot, you're now you're no longer being recommended word of mouth. Suddenly you're on the front page. Right. Right. Makes you a target, doesn't it? It 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 made me a target. It made me wow, it was it was insane the the reviews I got. Um so so there now random people were downloading the application and uh the one star review started coming in. My review ratio went from, you know, like 20 to one, right? 25 star reviews for every one star review down to three to one. So I, I would get three five star reviews for every one star review. And these reviews were vicious. Uh, they were, <laughs> they were so, so angry at me for, for, uh, for building this game because they thought it was a scam. They thought I scammed my way to the top spot in the app store. Huh. And, uh, that all the other reviews were, uh, were fake and uh, it was just ridiculous. Well, I'm going to read one to you. Uh, this one's, this one's one of my favorites. All right, so to summarize, I would actually rather be in a dark room with nothing else in it until my untimely death before playing this app again. The endless time that I spent tapping <laughs> could be could be best spent building a time machine that would take me back in time and slap me in the face for pressing the install button. <laughs> That's awesome. Take take your take your 70 pence or 99 cents and go purchase lettuce and tap that. It would be more productive. And at the end of the day, you would have lettuce. Oh, man. <laughs> People are vicious, aren't they? Yeah. And, and one more. The subject was fake reviews. Don't listen to these five-star reviews that say I never write reviews. But when I do, it's perfect English. And I paid for it. So so it's it's wow. all these reviews these and these one-star reviews kept coming in uh, saying that, you know, uh, I, I paid for the app uh, for the app store reviews and and I paid to to get this app so high in in the app store. It was just it, 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 initially it was you know it hurt a lot, right? You you see yeah, you yeah. see your baby being told, oh, you're wrong, and you're you're you have a very ugly baby. I can't believe mm-hmm. it's here. Um, <laughs> your baby is so ugly. <laughs> it's so ugly, and I don't know. And all the people that like it are ugly too. And and then can I give you a gorilla a banana? <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly the reviews, people started to have arguments inside of the reviews with other oh, reviews. Oh, wow. You have defenders too. <laughs> you had defenders come out and say, I feel sorry for those people that leave one-star reviews because their simple minds cannot appreciate such a, <laughs> such a you know, work of art. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's a game, people. Easy. <laughs> yeah. So then when it, went, uh, when it hit the top spot in the U.S., I was terrified. <laughs> 
Right. There goes, this is just the UK. We thought the UK was more civilized than the United States. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so I was very terrified uh, when, when that happened. I, you know, I had the, I had the uh, uh, Game of Thrones me- uh, meme up, Bra- breaks yourself, winter's coming. Uh, brace yourself. The one-star <laughs> one reviews are coming. So what happened in the U.S.? Did you get the similar? No. No. no uh, it was nine to one. So there wow. were there were still one star reviews, but the one star reviews just said you know the game was boring. I didn't like it, you mm. know, and, and or it was un- incomplete or it's not my taste. There yeah. were some one star reviews that called other reviews fake, hmm. but for the most part, it was uh, it was just legitimate uh, legitimate criticism of the game, and um, and uh, there were few and far between that that would actually say the game uh, was you know was a scam. So. So then, uh, I think there's cultural impacts as w- at least with regards to, to, to games and maybe gaming IQ or what the U.S. sees as a good game. And, mm. um, uh, they are definitely shown inside of the, inside of the reviews that I got. Wow. Uh, another thing that I, that I think may have affected it. And this is another tip for those that, that are deploying apps is that the reviews are sorted by the number of stars and length. So if you get a one star review, that's, very long and critical that's going to show up higher inside of inside of the uh inside of the app store oh right so so i think and then and then your review velocity will push it away uh if you get enough enough new reviews but inside of the uk market since it's what it was a smaller market um i got some one-star reviews that were like this is completely over the top mm. and i think it set the tone for everyone else that uh, try to play the game afterwards mob mentality yeah so yeah. So that mob mentality came into play. And then, you know, some other reviews came in that were really good reviews, five-star reviews and longer. And then I think that affected the mob mentality also. So you just have to be careful in these smaller markets that uh, if you get a one-star review, one thing you can't do anything about it, you know, it's there. And you just have to hope that the engagement is there and you can bring other people in. And as as you all were saying, you know, it takes time to beat the game. And you only get the review button once you beat it. So the one-star reviews happen immediately, and they happen constantly. And then they're suddenly easy. I get, they're easy, right? And then I get a barrage of five-star reviews come in like three to three to five days later. But by then, you know, like some of the a lot of the damage has been done. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's it's just one of those it's just one of those things. And I think the smaller markets are more are more susceptible to scam uh, scammy mm-hmm. applications because mm-hmm. you don't need as many downloads to to make it to the top. So they're used to it. They're not used to it. you were an outlier. That's what it I is. I was an outlier. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Amir, man, what a great story. Not yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, tons of fun. Thanks for sharing it with us. No problem. No problem. Happy to, happy to be on again. Yeah. I wonder what the next time you'll be on, what amazing stories you'll have for us. Uh, we have yeah, to wait. we'll see. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. But uh, thanks a lot. Until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes,